Hello? Hello? Adam, Hi. are you there? What's up, man? Good, good. Glad you're glad you're so punctual. Are <laughs> you? You know, uh, my my assistant just has me in so many different directions. You know, we lost track of time. Sure, sure. Hey, um, I was ta- a friend of mine was texting me earlier, and he was asking. You know, we were taping a recording an episode tonight. And I'm like, yep, and we have a guest. And you know what he said? He said, for real? Do you really have a guest? Because you know how, you know, I've been, you've been busting my balls about, you know, not get, being able to get one or something. We real, I'm like, yeah, dude, we really have a guest this week. We really do. It's happening. And it's my, my buddy Rosario. Rosario, are you on? I'm here. Yep, see? It's a real person, Bob Rose. <laughs> see? <laughs> Real person. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe Rosario's an AI. I don't, I don't know technology these days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Can you guys hear me all right? Yep. All right. I got my, I got my headset on. I wanted to make sure you guys can hear me. Make it easier to talk while on the phone or I can just connect if it's, if it's not coming in clear. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> You're like, on a scale of 1 to 10, with clarity, you're like a 6. All right, well, we're going to change that. All right. Um, I feel like it could be better. I'm being like, you ever listen to Felger and Maz when Felger gets the bad phone calls that you can't yeah. hear? You ever listen? That, that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> All right, are we, are, we doing, are, we, are we 10 out of 10 right now? Say, say something. Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you're like an eight out of ten. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's d- good. I, definitely. I wouldn't talk with anymore. We're staying just like. <laughs> All right. Um, so let me just kind of you know prep the stage, uh, Adam. Yes. Do your do your spiel. Do he your dropped. Thing that you said. Yeah. I think he dropped out. He's not on the call anymore. Rosario, are you there? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to add him back again. All right, hold on. Yep, I'm the that just ruined the call because I had my headset on and I took him off and it disconnected. My fault, guys. No, it's all right. I just figured Bobro said something that offended you and you just did. No, I I, I usually give the. It's usually no, five no, minutes yeah. into the uh, the conversation that I offend people. Yeah, no, you're still early. <laughs> very early, very that. early. Um, yeah, so for our audience, we have a guest. Uh, you know, a- a- Adam has a- been able to kind of get a guest, so we greatly appreciate Rosario your, your time tonight. Um, just for the audience there, uh, you know, Rosario will, will share his experience and, you know, Adam and I will pepper him with, you know, certain questions or, you know, insights and hopefully the audience, you know, really benefits from, you know, his story, his experience and ideally, uh, you know, shed some light and and some hope uh, into people who listen to our podcast. So the podcast is, uh, the addict and the counselor, 
Um, and you can listen to us on Spotify, Amazon Music Podcast, and Apple Podcast. And if you listen to us on Spotify, you can directly comment uh, in the episode what you liked, didn't like. And uh, you can email us directly at the addict and the counselor at Gmail and let us know if there's any topics or subject matter that you want us to cover. Um, but yeah, uh, yes. There's a part of me that, that likes that you remember to say the Spotify, you know, comment in the area there. Remember how I used to have to remind you like a million times? Now you do it every time. Oh, uh, yeah. But yeah. there's another part of me, though, that misses like correcting you with it. Yeah. <laughs> I just want it, it, it's called changed behavior, and uh, when it sticks, it sticks. So I changed. I helped you change behavior. Yes. Write that down. Document it. I, I helped <laughs> change your behavior. Well, right. it is being recorded. This conversation, so we have permanent record of of that. Yeah. Now we're gonna work on Adam not doing things for personal recognition. The, the conversation is off to a great start, uh, Rosario. You know exactly what's going on. Oh, yeah. He's already, he's already in on my manipulative tactics here. You know? <laughs> Barbara, so continue on with your spiel. No, so, uh, you know, that was it. And I, I actually wanted to say, is there anything that you want to kind of set the stage for, you know, Rosario? Rosario and then, you know, we'll you know, open it up and, you know, it, it will be his show. Not much. Just um, that... Um, I know of Rosario from, um, when he used to frequent the old cab cameras when we used to work there, Bob Rose. Mm. So he used to come in for, for rehab. Right. Um, so I remember of him and I was just reintroduced to him through my friend, Justin, um, and reached out to Rosario. And Rosario seemed pretty pumped to come on and share his um, his recovery journey with us. And I've been chatting with him quite a bit past week or so on and off. And um, I think it's going to be great to hear what he has to say. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I got. All right. All right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, Rosario, for you, it's, you know, we want to hear whatever you want to share. And so whatever you're comfortable in sharing um, you know, please share if there's something that, you know, that you, you, you want to keep obviously private. <clears throat> we, we highly respect that. And um, I think for all the people that we've invited to the show, uh, we greatly appreciate and respect that. Uh, it takes a lot for someone to kind of come, uh, you know, outside of like meetings or, just, you know, self-disclosure to put their lives like on a podcast where, you know, other people are going to hear it. So, uh, you know, greatly appreciate your time and totally respect you doing this and helping us out, uh, with the show tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. And I, uh, thank you guys for having me. All right. So the floor is yours, Rosario, wherever you want to start, wherever you want to take us, we're all ears. All right. Um, and I just want to piggyback off of what, um, Adam just said, uh, we have a mutual friend by the name of, um, Justin Peasy, who was able to put this together. Um, little background on that. I, I've known Justin probably three quarters of my life. I'm 43 years old now. Um, we grew up together. Um, and we've been in each other's lives off and on for probably the past 30 plus years. And um, he's like family, you know? We can go years without seeing each other and 
pick up right where we left off. So we got a lot of love for Justin. And uh, I just wanted to make sure that he knew how grateful I was for this opportunity, putting me in touch with Adam and, uh, and we'll, and we'll go from there. So, uh, give you guys a little rundown on my story. I'm the, um, oldest of three children, uh, from two immigrant parents from Italy. Um, my parents came over here. My dad was born and raised in Sicily. My mom's born and raised in Naples, Italy. Um, my mom came here when she was like nine years old. My dad was 16 and, um, they met at um, a hairdressing school. My parents both went to um, a hairdressing school, and I know everyone's real familiar with the name John Delaria, um, world-renowned hairdresser, hairstylist, whatever you want to call him, but he was good friends with my dad. They all went to school together, and that's where my parents met, and they had three children. So I'll get into that a little bit give you guys a little bit of history on my upbringing and then uh, get into the meat and potatoes um, oh. of my story. So like I said, I grew up uh, the oldest of three kids. And uh, even before, you know, I ever put a substance in my body, looking back on it and, you know, rehashing those, those feelings and those emotions as a kid, I could always remember wanting to do whatever it took just to fit in with people even at a young age, right? Like, I just I just wanted everyone to like me. I just wanted to be the guy that was likable and I was willing to do whatever it took for you guys to like me. And uh, that, that carried on through all my childhood hmm. um, into my, you know, my teen years. Um, and just to backtrack a little bit, when I was, um, when I was 14 years old, the oldest of three children, my father went to prison for about 10 years. Um, and before that, my house was a very strict household. My dad was a tyrant and it's okay for me to say that today. And, uh, and I'm okay with that, but it was, you sleep at home, you're home for dinner and you have respect for me and your mother. And just to give people a history of who my father is, like he came here with no education from Italy. He, it, my mom's family was from the North End. That's where they, you know, were raised. And that's where my mom met my dad in the North End. And to this day, my dad's never been a nine to five guy, you know? So mm. it, it, I never had that structure. I never had that role model. All I seen was, you know, fast money and things that I probably shouldn't have seen as a kid growing up. Mm. And then, and then he went to prison. And then at that moment, even before I picked up like a substance and felt like I had arrived, like that arrival moment happened that day he was sentenced. Like I've arrived to like manhood now. I can do whatever I want. And it was my ticket to freedom. Little did I know it was my ticket to hell. R Rosario, you know? can I just jump in for a yeah. second? Yeah. Um, you being the oldest, and I go like culturally, this kind of happens when something like that happens when the father is not at home for any given reason. Was it a said thing that you are now like the man of the household? You have to like step up in that kind of way, or was yeah, it absolutely. unsaid? Those were those were the last words my dad said to me before he went to prison. Yeah. You know, and it's like now I gotta, you know, you're the man of the house now. You gotta, you know, take care of your mother, and you gotta take care of your brother and sister. Yeah. You know, and um, 
so with that being said, he goes away and like, like I just was saying, you know, I felt like, you know, my ticket to freedom had been punched and, um, got tattoos, got my tongue pierced and really started like, you know, wilding out. And, uh, you know, I was like 15, you know, and I haven't, you know, my balls hadn't even fully dropped yet. And I'm thinking I'm a man, you know, <laughs> and thinking like, I, I know everything and here we go. And, um, so I started, uh, you know, getting into trouble more, you know, smoking weed and drinking pretty much at the time. And then, you know, um, I started getting into more trouble, you know, and I'd go to school and I'd get into more trouble. Didn't matter where I went, everywhere was I went, trouble was there. And, um, eventually they, you know, high school told me you're wasting your time, kid. You know, what are you doing here? You're better off just, you know leaving so i pretty much got target time yeah. Yeah. yeah so i'll never forget the day i was in the office with walter Ketty and john bernard from saugus high and they said you know what kid you have a lot of potential you're really smart but you're wasting your time here you know you know what i mean i would show up when i wanted i'd you know be disrespectful to teachers and i was always in the principal's office it got to a point where i was i'd spend my days in Mr. Bernard or Mr. Caddy's office going to get kids with the green slips to come see the principal. <laughs> you know? And like, that's what my days were. <laughs> you were the assistant principal. I was the assistant principal's assistant. <laughs> you know? And uh, looking back on it now, it's like funny, but it's not funny. Like, yeah. that's the, those are my, like, crucial years. That's what I'm supposed to be learning. That's what I'm supposed to be molding my brain to become a man and to really become a man and uh, set those wheels in motion. But... Like I said, I saw a lot of crazy stuff as a kid. I was, you know, brought up in a dysfunctional home, um, you know, with a lot of violence and drugs and crazy stuff, you know. And um, one thing I can say, though, even though my dad never went to work like a nine to five with a 401k and a retirement plan, we never went without food. We never went without a home and we never went without pretty much anything ever. Mm. and that's one thing that I can say about my father like he always always provided no matter how he went about providing it's none of my business what, what is my business is that he provided for me and my parent my mom and my brother and my sister every day of every moment that we were in that house as a family and he was providing when he wasn't there and he was locked up you know and then uh, to get back to me a little bit I got thrown out of high school you know I think I'm you know, I watch a couple movies. I think I'm, you know, a big drug dealer now. I can do this. I can do that. And um, I want fast money. That's what I saw as a kid. I want fast money. And, you know, I never forget. My cousin gave me a job after I got asked to leave high school as a plumber. He had his own plumbing company. And he took me to work. And it was cool and everything. Like, I was learning. But just wasn't there mentally you know I, I was always somewhere else you know and looking back and you know after doing some work on myself through the recovery process and we'll get to that after i could see now that that was just i was never okay with self you know if i was where i wanted to be i would get there and i'd want to be somewhere else mm. and um I'm glad I don't live like that today, right? And uh, so I take that job with my cousin. Um, he lets me come into work, you know, 
get, pays me pieces, paying me, I forget at the time. This is probably in the early 90s. He's probably early, mid 90s, probably giving me 15 bucks an hour cash under the table at the time, which was good. Right. And um, I was still like not okay. I was just never felt okay. And, you know, my mom would need money, but she would, you know, after a little bit, like she just didn't ask me for the money no more. And, it just became my money. I'm going out on the weekends. I'm starting to take Percocets now. I was introduced to Percocet at like 15. And I'll never forget the day I took my first Perc 5 and the feeling that it gave me. And I felt like like Superman. Mm. Right? I felt like, holy shit. I can do anything with this. You know? And um, the progression just started. Like, I... I'm not the type of person, I don't care what it is in life, and I know this about me today, I cannot do one of anything. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. You know? There's not something I can do once and not do it again. You know? And my track record shows that. I have an addictive personality. So, you know, just perks, you know, next thing you know, uh, a few years go by, and OxyContin is now the new... Yeah. do it thing and uh, I was um, Justin will tell you the story he got me the job actually that I'm going to talk to you guys about right now and he got me a job selling cars on the windway with these two brothers um, these two Iranian brothers on the windway right next to where Honda Honda is right now on the windway we were right on the opposite corner the methadone clinics there right yeah. there yeah. yeah we were we were right there and I was selling cars and at the time now I'm doing like perks and um and OC forties now getting introduced and slowly migrating into those and I, this is just how my story goes, but I'm working at this place for like a month. Guy comes in, we had um it was like a I think it was like a ninety six S class Benz. Guy comes in, I start taking for a ride. Oh, I love it, ba ba ba, yada yada yada. I was like, all right, wanna go in and do the paperwork? He's like, no, I'll be back tomorrow with cash. <laughs> now my me as the drug addict, alcoholic, sick individual, my mind, the minute he said that, my mind's going. Where's he getting this money? This you know, this is you know, this guy didn't come in in a suit and tie, came in with yeah. sweatpants and a hoodie. You know, he's gonna come back with eighteen thousand dollars cash for a car. Long story short, he came in the next day, buys the car. Another couple of weeks go by, he brings it in for service. Second time he brings it in for service now, because I'm not afraid of anything. I'm on perks and OCs, and I have all the, you know, I have all the will in the world to do anything, not afraid of nothing. Mm -hmm. So I, I muster up the nerve to ask the guy. Like, I say to him, I'm not going to name his name, keep him out of it, but I say to him, I say, you know, what's up? I was like, where's this money come from? What do you do? I said, he's like, Oh, I have my own business. And long story short, it took a little bit, bit of finesse and maneuvering and manipulation. And I got it out of him. Long story short, he was, he was a big OC dealer. from mm -hmm. How I like that he meets me. Right. Um, so I, I meet him. We become friendly. Next thing you know, I'm picking up from him. Yeah. Little by slow, I'm starting to get into that game. It lasted, you know, I did that for about five, five, I, I gave it a good four years and really doing it and not 
you know, going crazy. I still had a vicious habit, but I was supplying myself. I was making money and I wasn't a disaster yet. Yeah. And, uh, you know, come 97, 98, I, um, that whole long story short is I made, I made money doing that. I supplied myself for a good three, four years. And at the end, at the very end, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters was a monkey couldn't sell bananas. I ended up being my only customer and I ended up broken and I ended up more like depressed and more empty inside than I've ever been in my life. Mm -hmm. And at this time now so now you're like 18 or 19 98 yeah, right yeah i'm 18 years old and um a friend of mine that i grew up with that is also a, a acquaintance of justin's is doing heroin so hanging out with him one day i'll never forget this day this day either it was me and two other kids we were at his house right in saugus right near Cane's Donuts, and um, they're doing heroin. I'm doing heroin. I sniffed it for the first time, got really fucked up. These guys are laid out cold, like fucking high as kites. And I'm saying to myself, I'm like, why aren't I like that? Like, that's what I was looking for. That's how crazy this disease is, yeah. right? It's like, I want to be the kid that's knocked out, out cold, almost dead. Like, that's what I want, you know? And... um and they're like, oh, it's just, everyone's different. What they didn't tell me was that they were shooting it, you know? And then probably within a month of sniffing it for the first time, I started shooting heroin at 19 years old, you know, 1999. Supposed to be graduating high school. I'm, mm -hmm. You know, I'm throwing out, selling cars, and I'm a fucking heroin addict. And... um not doing my family any service, not doing myself any good. And I'll never forget, like, that year, I went to detox for the first time, you know? And I think cab was probably my first stop. One of many, but it was I'm almost 99.7% positive the cab was the first detox I went to in Danvers. Mm. And um, so that was my first introduction to it. It didn't stick. Um from nine from from 2000 to 2006 i was in and out in and out don't need to get into like the details of what i did and how i did it and what i did to do what i needed to do to get what i needed to get that's not important sure but for those six years it was just a repeat recycle you know and i'd go in for a spin drive and come out and do it again and have random jobs and whatever so at the end of 2006, I'm just, I'm like defeated, man. My, my father has um, come home from prison. We're mm -hmm. arguing. We don't get along. He doesn't want me in the house and got nowhere to go. So I went into another detox facility. And this time, I'll never forget it because it led to some long-term sobriety in 2007. Um, in uh, February of 2007, I checked in to the Bournewood Hospital in Brookline, Massachusetts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I went there for two weeks. From there, I went to a sober house in Cambridge, and I did a 30-day outpatient program at Bournewood 
my first 30 days at the sober house in Cambridge. I stayed at that sober house in Cambridge um, until like, say, May or June of 07. And at this 30-day program, there's a girl that catches my eye. Now, mind you, I'm just newly sober. What do they tell us when we come into these these halls? If you're not in a relationship, man, don't get in a relationship the first year you're recovering. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me neither. Me neither. So the egotistical macho man that Rosario was had to be the center of attention and had to have, you know, everyone looking at him. Oh, wow, look at him. Whoa, hey. Um, I made a bet with the guys that were in that group. I said, pick the most beautiful, hottest girl in, the, in this group. Before we're, our 30 days are up, these are mostly guys from my sold house. I'm like, I'll have her number. Long story short, they pick out the girl. She ends up, in 2007, ends up being the mother of my children. Huh. We were together. We were together almost 13 years. So in 2007, in February 2007, till May or June, I was living at that sober house. I went to that program. I was immersed in AA, going to meetings, asking for help, doing step work, got a sponsor. And I, I'll never forget it. I got a. Um, now, mind you, before all this, just to backtrack a little bit, I had, I was able to get a union job as a carpenter. Okay, and I was able to maintain that um, miraculously. Let's just say by the grace of God. Um, so when I met this girl, she's living out in Milford. I'm Milford. I'm a city kid. I got out to Milford. I thought I might as well have been in Biloxi, Mississippi. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, what is this? You know what I mean? I'm like yards and huge areas of grass and space and like where are we you know and uh after a little work man i ended up making milford home for like almost 13 years like i i ended up moving in little by slow with her like i'm i'm a manipulative guy like i'm an addict like i manipulate so i was little by slow bringing my clothes to her house every weekend that i'd go there and the next thing you know, half my wardrobe within two, three weeks is in her place, <laughs> you know? And uh, I'll never forget it. The day she said it, she's like, listen, why don't you just start staying here? Most of your stuff is here. You're here all the time. She's like, why don't you just move in? I'm like, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, how did you come up with uh, Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's a great idea. Now, mind you, what I didn't know was that her sister and her sister's boyfriend lived there, but they were on a cruise at the time I moved in. And they come home, they're like, who the fuck is this guy? You know? And um, I had a mohawk at the time. It was crazy. These are proper people from the sticks, you know what I mean? You got this mohawk Italian-looking maniac. And it's like sending, like, a big crazy rooster into a, uh, a rooster's den of, like, just regular chickens. <laughs> and that's, that, that's what I was, that crazy rooster that was obnoxious, loud, and was standing out. But um, I was able to start a life out there, like a real true life out there. I got from this woman giving me a chance. She was in the program as well. And from February of 07 until August of 2018, I was 
sober through AA, the 12 steps, God, and my recovery. Um, I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I didn't do nothing. I was stone cold sober, really sober, mm-hmm. running MATs, nothing. For yeah. you know, for twelve years, eleven years, twelve years, and uh, but so Rosario. So I, I've shared a little bit about my my stuff that I've been I've gone through, and yeah, relate to with you a ton with having long recovery and and relapsing, and um, yeah. so I've shared with you at at like maybe year you know years twelve, thirteen in recovery for me. I started. You know, I started some, like, dishonesty and lying, you know, lying and stuff, basically. Mm-hmm. Only, you know, the truth with, like, people around me, you know? Of and, course, yeah, and I remember yeah. talking to you about yeah. that specifically, yeah. Adam. You know, like I said to you, um, you know, when I relapsed, I had picked up, like, two years prior to my physical pickup. Right. You know, right. I was I was lying, I was being dishonest, I was cutting corners, you know, I was doing, I was doing the things... That I shouldn't have been doing, you know. And um, next thing you know, I'm slacking on my meetings. Next thing you know, I'm not picking up the phone calls from the kids I'm sponsoring, you know. And it's just it's a trickle effect. And um, just like it's it's so um, and not to play like uh, you know, not like to play victim or anything like that. But like with what we have with with the addiction stuff, like mm-hmm. we have to we have to live right all the fucking time and when we don't live right we need to fix it and repair it and if we right don't away. we end up fucking killing ourselves that's right like we don't have the luxury to be screwing around like doing stupid shit and like staying in that stupid shit for a while because we can't no. do- no, we I, end up with a needle in our arm killing ourselves, you know? It's yeah. fun. If we're lucky, we end up with a needle in our right. arms. But the reality is we're going to die. Right, right. You know? So, um, yeah, man. So, I, I mean, I really, really had built a life for myself. And um, so in those 11, 12 years, man, I was not only just sober and going through the steps of AA and helping others and doing the work. Like, I went and... I, I took that that union job and I took advantage of that. That union job paid for me to go to college at Wentworth University and paid for my school, my college tuition uh, for five years. I was at Wentworth getting a degree in construction management. Um, I got a bachelor's degree today from Wentworth in construction management because of the union, and I only had to pay for the books every semester i got like a two hundred thousand dollar education for probably 10 grand out of pocket and that's because i was sober i was doing the right things and i would my life aligned vertically with they they call it higher power i call it god that's my relationship with him today is second to none when i was sober those 11 12 years i didn't have a relationship with god like i do today and I think had I had the relationship that I have with him today, I would still be sober. But that wasn't my that wasn't my path. Yeah. That, that wasn't the journey for me. I needed to fall again to really, really respect this disease and to get back on track where I'm at today. You know what I mean? And um, so when I relapsed, it was because my relationship with I was engaged. Now, mind you, I'm, I've had a child. I got my degree. Um, living in Milford, I had just built a million-dollar home. 
and I have a job that's paying me close to 200K a year. I'm driving a $150,000 car. Like these are all real things. Not that they matter and they're only material things, but at the end of the day, like I built a life that I always wanted. Like I said, I was never going to be like my father. I wasn't going to be an absent parent and I was going to provide with hard work and dedication to, for my family. And that's what I did. For, for a long time, I, I was able to build that, you know, and that was such a big accomplishment. But what I didn't know, what is, I didn't know what I didn't know, right? What I didn't know was those little things that we were just talking about, like cutting corners and being, you know, telling white lies and, you know, keeping the extra dollar that you got back from change from the register at someone's gas station you know, or anything that doesn't align with the right thing is going to end up causing me a relapse. And it did. And I relapsed after almost 12 years on this boxing. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget it like it was yesterday. I was running a job in Charlestown. If anyone you guys know the area, I was working for Lee Kennedy as an oh. assistant project manager at the Hood and Oak facility. They built a beautiful apartment building and a parking garage. I was the assistant project manager on that parking garage making tons of money had a beautiful house my first child second child on the way and i'm closing up the site on a friday and i'm in the hall like the stairwell and i see a little passing going on and meanwhile my sick thinking was like oh what are these guys doing you know so i approached them and i said what's going on fellas and mind you like even though i was the big guy on this job site my guys could come to me with anything like they knew i was like cool like a cucumber like i'd roll up my sleeves just because i was wearing like a two thousand dollars suit to work doesn't mean i won't roll up my sleeves and get dirty with you that's where i came from i came from the trenches yeah you know what i mean I'm no better, no worse than anybody. So my guys respected me and they would do anything for me. Like if I asked them to work late or work a Saturday, whatever. So I approached these two guys and I'm like, what's going on? They're like, oh, nothing. I'm like, guys, you know, I mean, it's not nothing. You guys are like cornered in a stairwell, like passing something. I'm like, you guys don't have to be nervous. I'm not going to throw you guys off the site. What's going on? And one of the guys said, oh, I was just giving him a suboxone for the weekend. Now, mind you, I'm almost 12 years sober. And my instant reaction is, you got another one? Mm. Yeah. Just like that. That quick. And he's like, yeah. He's like, what, you want one? I'm like, yeah. So I took that suboxone, put it in my pocket. And the thing was burning my pocket for hours. The minute I had it in my possession, I couldn't, like, it's all I was thinking about. Mm. You know? And I took that suboxone on the way home. Now, mind you, I'm almost 12 years sober. I take an 8 milligram strip of suboxone at, like, almost 6 o'clock. I get home to Milford at a little after 7. I am jambozled. Okay? Like, retarded. My, my fiance's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm like, oh, nothing. What do you mean what's wrong with me? She's like, look at you. You're, you can't stand up. Your eyes are closed. You look high. I'm like, no, I'm just tired. So we all knew what that leads to, right? Mm. Yeah. More, more, and more. So over the next, like, three, four months, we end up separating. I end up moving back with my parents. Yeah. I end up losing the job. My car gets repoed. 
and I go broke within six months of being laid off. Now, mind you, just because I had some money saved and I had been making a lot of money, I been saving money. I'm, my father will tell you, Justin will tell you, I was renting Maseratis. I'm going to Miami on the weekends. I'm going here. I went to Vegas. Me and Justin went to Vegas for a weekend. Like, and I'm spending money like I got it and there's no money coming in. My father's like, kid, you better stop living like that because you're going to end up in a bad place real soon. I'm like, dad, you don't know what you're talking about. Blah, blah, blah. Long story short, right before um, COVID, that's when everything was like at its worst that it's ever, 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 ever been in my life. Hmm. You know, and mind you, like I got sober in 07, I was sober almost 12 years and it's taken me almost five to get back. You know, and it's not guaranteed that we're going to come Without back. When I, when I relapsed after 14, I, I thought I could just walk right back into recovery. Oh, right. Okay. Nope, it's been seven years now. In and out, in and out. It's crazy. It's, it's so crazy. How you just think like it's just a revolving door and... You know what to do. I was clean for 14 yeah. years. What did I know how to clean? Right. Exactly. Like, listen, I, 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 I can... I'm real good at stop, stopping. I'm just not good at staying stopped. Mm. You know, I can stop for a little bit. I can have some abstinence from some substances for maybe a little bit. Yeah. But I can't stay stopped. It's almost like um, at the begin, the first few years that I tried to get clean after relapsing from, from having that long-term recovery, I think that having that time definitely went, didn't help me stay clean like at all you know what i mean like thinking i knew what i was doing in recovery like it, it went against me you know what i mean absolutely that's why they say you can't stay sober today off of yesterday's recovery right exactly. you know what i mean like i can't just because i've been sober for 10 years doesn't mean i can stop doing what i'm doing because i got 10 years right that's why it's a day at a time that's why they say it's literally a 24-hour period and like for someone like me, I gotta keep that in the forefront of my mind. Is like it's just today. I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. I don't even know if I'm gonna wake up tomorrow, and I'm already worried about what I'm gonna do tomorrow. So you know, it's been a long, long time. It's it's honestly, it's been like almost five years to get back in. You know, and I've been bound. I was you know over these few years that I've been out, like I've probably been to I can't even tell you how many detoxes. And I mean, you know, I go to meetings and stop and what finally got me and, you know, everyone's different, but for me, until I literally got a relationship with God and like made that priority number one, mm. like nothing, nothing for me changed, you know, cause I've showed on my own morals and uh, through some guidance and some principles and some steps, like I can stay sober. Even if it's 12 years, 11 years, I can do it. Yeah. But the big book will tell you, and there's a point in place and time in your recovery where no person, place or thing will keep you sober, except for God. That's in the big book. That's verbatim out of the big book. So if that's what it's telling me, why wouldn't I go work on that relationship for my number one priority? Mm. You know, and what I've done this year is I've recommitted myself to 
a relationship with God. Um, I've converted to from a Catholic that was born and raised on Catholicism, and I was told as a kid that if you do bad, you're you're gonna go to hell. You can't be forgiven. And you want me to go into a box and tell a guy what I did, and then he's gonna tell me to go say a couple prayers, and I'm gonna be okay. But meanwhile, he's touching little kids. Mm. Nah, nah, I'm not good with that. So I converted to. Um, Christianity. I'm a Christian. I believe in in God, and I have a Bible that I work um, to the best of my ability um, on a daily basis. And like my relationship with, with with God is so good today. Like I was able to find this called the Life Recovery Bible. It incorporates the twelve steps of AA into the biblical term, and it incorporates steps and principles into a Bible. Mm. So like I got the best of both worlds. Mm. Yeah. You know, and like, I just want to like, I, I want to go back just a little bit. And um, when I got separated from my my children's mother, I was a mess. I was single for like, and I don't want to not talk about it because yeah, it's important. And um, it's crazy, like when you get sober and you think about some of the shit you did. And it makes you like feel bad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The people you hurt along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. Um but I'm okay with that today. Like I have emotions that I can feel. And the the beautiful thing about that is, even through that, I don't have to use. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I can sit with that. I can feel it. And I can get good out of it. I don't have to use drugs to suppress that today. You know? And that's only because of the man upstairs. That's my belief. I'm not pushing that on anyone, but that's what works for me. That's what's worked for me. And um, that's what I'm going to continue to do today. Yes. What what I did yesterday. And um, so I just want to backtrack a little bit because about a year after my separation... I, uh, I'm living in a hotel. Can you guys hear me? Uh, you broke up for a second. Sorry. Um, so about a year, about a year after my separation, I'm living in a hotel in August. I'm on the methadone clinic. Um, I still have no job. And my mother is paying for me to live at a hotel. And I'm making money however I can illegally to help sub- supplement my roof over my head. Yeah. Um, I meet a woman out of nowhere. And I don't know what it was, but called divine intervention. But I truly believe. God had put her in my life and the reason he put her in my life was to get a relationship with him you know because they you know God comes puts people in your life for two reasons either for a reason or for a season and it's for a reason Hmm. you know and I thought you know, and I was, I was on the methadone clinic. I wasn't really doing anything else right. You know, I just wasn't using. I was on the methadone clinic and abusing that. And, you know, this poor soul 
meets me. And within, I don't even know, a couple, the first day I meet her, it just feels right. I meet her kids the first day, and the, her younger son says, you want to come over for dinner? Hmm. And, I look, and I look at her, and I'm like, I don't know, that's up to you, you know. I'm, and I look at her, and I say to the kid, I'm like, I don't know, buddy. I, I think that's, you know, up for mom to decide. And she's like, yeah, you come over for dinner. And over the next week or two, I was just, I ended up just leaving that hotel and moving in with them. And then COVID hit and I was, you know, still in the clinic. And I really, really like over those, I was with her until about six, seven months ago. Mm. And uh, she's the person that introduced me to God of my understanding today. I got rebaptized through this process and, um, you know, cause a baptism is, you know, an outward showing of faith and obedience to God. Mm-hmm. Like when we get baptized as kids, we don't have a choice, you know? So I wanted to make that choice as a grown man that I'm willing to baptize myself and mm-hmm. commit myself to, to God. And, um, that's what I did. But for the next like three, four years, I tortured this poor girl, her and her children, because I couldn't just stay. I just couldn't get it. Mm. You know, I couldn't get sober. I would try. I would try. I'd go to places. I'd leave AMA, and mm. I'd, I'd go home every time and manipulate her to let me stay. And it just, it was... Literally Groundhog's Day for this poor soul for like four years. Mm. You know, I gave her a ring, told her I was going to marry her. I just, she called me too. She's like, there's going to come a point where I reached my breaking point. You know, there's only so much I can deal with. And, And like looking back on it, like, I can't even blame her. You know, like she stuck, like she stayed as long as she possibly, humanly possibly could stay and hope that I would get it. And I turned my life around and I didn't, you know, and that was like seven months ago. And I've been sober since the breakup, you know, off the methadone clinic and just, um, but my life has gone better, man. Over these last like six, seven months, and um, when I separated from that relationship, uh, I was in a bad place. I was depressed, sad, so many emotions. But I knew, I knew deep down in my core and in my innermost fiber of my being, I can't use. Using is not an option. And I promised myself I wouldn't use. And I made it, and I, you know what? Like the power of prayer is huge. You don't have no idea how much you can get through with just a little conversation with the man above. Mm-hmm. And without him, man, I wouldn't be standing here on this phone call sharing a little bit about my story with you guys without that relationship, man. And, and like, just to give you guys a little idea of what's going on, like, when I first left that relationship, I was back in the, I was back in the hotel that she, 
saved me from. Like, I was on my deathbed in this place, and yeah. she saved me. Like, if if this woman never came into my life, I honestly think I'd be dead today. Hmm. She was an angel. She really was. And um, so I ended up back at the same hotel that she saved me from, and I was there just a couple months. And by doing the right thing, man, like, the right thing happens. Like, mm. just by staying sober and doing the right thing, like, now I'm not living in a hotel anymore. I am, my cousin let me move in with her. I'm trustworthy today, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I, I pay my rent, whatever it is, every week to her. And I'm back in my career. I start my new job on Monday, doing what I love to do and doing what I did to provide for my family five years ago, back as a project manager in construction, making... Not that it matters, but my salary is over a hundred grand a year, and that's not not that's that's not what we do it for. But this is just, I'm just saying it yeah. to show you what can happen when you do the right thing. You stop fucking using drugs as a fucking solution, man. It's not a solution. It's not. And like I needed to like really get broken down the way I did in order to be able to be where i'm at today and like mm -hmm. honestly as much as it like pain me to lose that relationship i know that she did the best she could and without her i wouldn't be where i'm at today you know so who knows what happens down the road i don't know maybe our paths cross again maybe they don't but i know without her i wouldn't be here today and i thank her for putting up with me, dealing with my shit, and, you know, never losing faith in me, bringing me to God and who he is, showing me who that relationship is and how important that was. And, like, I got my life. Listen, and then I'll, I'll, I'll cut it short after this, but I haven't had a license in two-plus years because of not paying tickets, not paying excise taxes, owing child support, and um, parking tickets, excise taxes, child support, and um, toll booth charges. Mm. So it just cost me $6,000 to get all that back. Yes. Yeah. And you, and you know who paid for that? My mother. Mm. Yeah. My mother did. Yeah. Do you know why? Because... I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. I'm sober today. I'm available. I go over there and help her every time she calls that she needs something done and she needs help with something. I'm there today. I'm, I'm able to go to, to my parents' house where I haven't been allowed to for years for Sunday dinners. My father allows me in that house today. And they helped me out because the job I just got, not only are they paying me a great salary with great benefits and everything, again, I'm getting a company vehicle. Mm. I'm getting a company vehicle. Like six, seven months ago, I was broke, broken, like ready to die. And by staying sober, doing a few things the right way, having faith in God, doing the next right thing, I've been able to have a consistent roof over my head. I got a job, got my license back, and I'm, I don't have a car, but I do now because I got a company vehicle. And that's only in a little bit of time and just with a little bit of work, you know? Yeah. But if you're, if you're anything like me, man, we get I get complacent. But I'm not getting complacent anymore because 
I don't, I don't know if I have another relapse in me. I definitely know I don't have another recovery in me. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I just, think I'm a, little, I'm a little too much like you, probably, Rosario. I mean, that's relief to you so much, you know? Yeah, man. I mean, I mean we're, we're all alike. We're all good people. We just yeah. have to, you know, turn that manipulation and that drive to get what we want and just spin it in a, ne- in a positive way. And, like, saying so, like, one thing, like, if I could stress it enough, and I don't care if no one got anything out of what I said tonight, as long as, like, one person got something, then, like, my job is done. Like, as long as I touch one person, then I'm okay with that. And um, what I do know is recovery and staying sober doesn't promise us our careers doesn't promise us our dream jobs doesn't promise us a storybook wedding with the woman we want and all that by staying sober and doing a few things to stay sober it just promises you 24 hours of sobriety that's it as long as you're okay with that sky's the limit Mm. and just you know don't cut corners don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. Because at the end of the day, you're only lying, cheating, and stealing from yourselves. Yeah. You know? And uh, that's my story, guys. <laughs> Thank you. I Thank appreciate you. you. Thanks. Thanks, Rosario. That's very that's powerful. Very, very powerful. And, uh, yeah, it was. It touched me, that's for sure. And I, I knew some of it, you know? But, man, just... Um, there's so much there, um, so much inspiration. So, like, the conversion part of your story is just phenomenal. You know, it's amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, like, yeah, there's just there's very little that I don't relate with your story. Like, <laughs> there's so much there. It's, but even, like, the, like, at the end, like, your, you know, your family being there, for, like, my like my parents, like they're they're right there with me, you know. They yeah. helped me out with this, that, you know, like so much, you know. I needed a needed a car. They trust me with, you know, giving me, you know, helping me out with the car. I was just healing fucking cars. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. With the back, like, and they're there for me, you know. So yeah. really that and just everything else, basically. So yeah. I. You know, it's really good when, when, you know, I can I can hear my story somewhat reflected back to me, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. And, I mean, like, relationships get repaired, man. You stay sober, like, nothing, there's nothing that can't happen when you're sober. Like, I'll never forget, and just, I don't want to, you know, take up too much more of you guys' time, but, like. <laughs> yeah, we can go on forever. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I, I'm a talker. Peasy will tell you, I'm a talker, I'll go all night. Um. I, I stole something of the uh, utmost importance from my parents' house not too long ago that was sentimental to my father, and I gave it to my dealer for some stuff. And as much as his friend that gave him that, like, and it can't be replaced, yeah. he's let me back in his house. I sit and have dinners with him on Sundays. You know, and not too long ago, he's like, you're nothing but a fucking junkie. And I, my, I don't have a son. I, I have a junkie. And you're not allowed at my house. You know? Literally, I can, like, everything that you share, so much that you share, I can just, like, 
It's the same freaking story. I, I, I fucking, a few years ago, I'm in the middle of a relapse and my, my grandfather, he was, he was off the boat from Italy, Mirabella, um, in Italy, right? That's where yeah. he, uh, yeah. And freaking when I was when I was a young kid, he gave me you know this this gold cross from Italy that he got me, and like I, I had it forever and a day. And I'm on the streets, and I'm out of luck, and I'm not I don't have any hustle in me. I just pulled off my chain and fucking handed it over, you know. Yeah, man, that's what you know. What like I want to like I don't know if maybe someone new, um, you know, to this you know to this recovery thing like listens to this podcast, but. One thing like that, I can't like, I don't ever want to experience again in my life is like, I'm when, when I'm using and I'm in active addiction, I'm willing to hurt anybody, anybody, my children, my parents, anybody is susceptible to my damage. And the craziest part of it is I know what's going to happen by doing what I'm about to do. And my disease is so enthralled in me and has me by the balls that I'm still going to do it. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Crazy, man. Yeah. yeah. But that's yeah. just the world we live in. So we just got to adapt. We got to stay close. And, um, you know, one thing I live by today, um, and someone a lot smarter than me told me is if you're hanging out with five assholes, you're going to become the fifth, the sixth asshole. <laughs> He's like, if you're hanging out with five sober people or five millionaires, you're going to become the sixth sober person in the sixth millionaire. So hang out with people that have or are doing what you want to do. You know what I mean? So that's why I try to surround, surround, my, surround myself with. I'm sorry. No, that's good. That's just, you know, it's important. Yeah. I was going to say, Barbara, it's like, it sounds like I need to stop hanging out with you. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Get in. Um, Barbara, he was doing that for your benefit. <laughs> <laughs> it is reflective, wasn't it? <laughs> he was looking in the mirror. Um, well, let's let's go to some lighter stuff. Shall we? What do you think? <laughs> yeah, um, this is your show. I'm just the guest. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, R- R- Rosaria, your, your story is immensely powerful. And, you know, I, I, I greatly appreciate you being very transparent and explicit about your experience. I think in my experience of like doing therapy with people in recovery and, and not being in recovery myself is there's still a hesitation there's there is like this covering up of like the the truth of the disease um and i know from the listeners you know that we have who listen to our podcast you know uh we get feedback in all types of forms um that this is very very impactful and i think you know if someone listens and you know uses even an ounce of what you share today they are going to be successful uh, in, in their pursuit of whatever it is, you know, let it be recovery or like bettering themselves or education or whatever the case is. And I, and I think what I get from, you know, your reinforcement of like finding God and religion and how meaningful that is, is that like, that's that inner fulfillment that drugs 
tried to do, right? To cover up that dark hole and just keep using and using. And when people have purpose in their lives, you know, let it be through sobriety or through God or through family or work, that hole begins to kind of like shrink up. And I think that's really, really powerful uh, message that I take away from your story. Barbara, I'm glad you actually t- just brought that up because it's something that I wanted to say and it had slipped my mind, but there's a reason why you just said that. And I have to I have to touch on that just because of the importance of it, right? You talked about that void, that if you're anything like me, if you're the, of the vicious variety of a drug addict and alcoholic like I am, will... Well, I was always trying to fill that inner void that I had with women, drugs, sex, shoes, clothes, vacations, money, everything. Mm-hmm. Nothing sufficiently fit in that void until I got God in my life. I'm trying to fill an uh, internal void with an out, outer experience, a, a materialistic thing. Mm-hmm. It's never going to work. It's never going to work. Mm. That's something that's, that's my soul. That's missing something. Yeah. And my soul belongs to the man upstairs. So why would I give it to him to fill that? Mm. You know what I mean? Powerful. And that's, that's like huge. And I'm so grateful and glad that you said that, but that's how my life works today. If I'm missing something, God puts something in front of me to do what I got to do and share his side of that. Yeah, thank you for that. You know, and, and thank you for your whole story. And as Adam alluded to, I, I didn't say it in in, um, in the beginning of the podcast, but the the later stage of the uh, the podcast is called the Five Controversies. So, if you're willing to kind of stick around and entertain us, greatly appreciate Absolutely. it. All right, all right. Now, now Barbaros hasn't really been doing too good of a job with getting us with with providing good controversies. So. <laughs> what did you What did you do to this kid? He's all over you tonight. <laughs> well, he, you know, he's trying to be a macho man, so this is this is where he takes it out. Yeah. What did you do to me, Barbaros? What did you do? Uh, I I I bring sanity and clarity to his we'll life. Save that for another show, right? <laughs> <laughs> Next week episode. To be continued. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, for the audience, if this is your first episode uh, that you're listening to. What an absolute treat. I mean, you, you got to hear Rosario's, you know, uh, you know, wild story, but also, you know, resiliency and, and hope. Um, so this part of the segment is called the five controversies where we kind of throw out at least two options uh, to you first, Rosario, and then uh, Adam will uh, go second and I'll go last. And then we kind of figure out, you know, what makes sense and, you know, what some of these things, you know, how they uh, you know, fit into our lives. So you're up for the challenge? Sure, absolutely. All right, and ignore moving forward until you know the episode ends. What Adam says about the you know the controversies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tune them out. I've already figured that part out. Tune them out. Yeah. All right. (laughs) So we had a previous uh, controversy about cereal. This is another. Hey, hey, Bob. Hey, hey. hey. What do you do? What? What do you do, dude? What? What about the transitional music? Oh, I was I got so I got so hyped. I'm I got so hyped. I apologize. I'm I'm, I'm going off script. That's the that's the issue. No um, worries. All right, Adam, can you play the uh, transitional music for five controversy segment?
Thank you. Uh, we have high quality uh, <laughs> uh, stuff over here at the the Attic and the Counselor uh, podcast. <laughs> so if anyone has millions of dollars that really want to fund this podcast, we will absolutely take every dime and, and make this much more of a robust uh, you know podcast. But we're 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 making do. That transitional music. Come on. <laughs> Listen. Everybody starts somewhere. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So, Rosario, you're up first. We did this before. Adam is going to allude to it, but this is, I promise you, it's a new, um, it's a new way of thinking about it. So when you have cereal. Okay. Do you put the milk first or the cereal first? We did this. We did it. It was a spoon, you idiot. Um. I do the cereal first. Cereal first, then milk? Then milk. Okay. Have you ever seen anyone do milk first and then cereal? Very rarely. <laughs> why do you do? Ask them why, Barbaros. Come on. Why, why do I do the cereal first? Uh, yeah. Well, I like to see how much cereal I want to eat so I know how much is in there before I put the milk. Mm. Okay. And, 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 and Rosario, what, what's your milk to cereal ratio? Uh, I'd probably say two parts cereal, one part milk. Mmm. Wow. I like a crunchy cereal. Oh, you're a crunchy cereal guy. Yeah, I don't like like I don't I don't like soupy cereal, like soggy. No. <laughs> All right. All right. And if it matters, I'm a fruity pebbles with marshmallows guy. Wow. Love that was my kid's cereal. Yeah, that my was- still it's still my fruity pebbles was my kid's cereal. Now, since I'm older and they come out with a new version with marshmallows, I've um, I, I've progressed. Yeah. <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, Adam. Yeah, just take my my response from the last time you got the fuck off. Plug it in, would you? Jesus. <laughs> um, it's um, cer- it's cereal first. That way I can, it won't, it overflows if I do it the other way. I'm concerned that the, you know, the, the cereal will overflow and spill out of the, out of the bowl. Mm-hmm. If I do it, so cereal. It'll overflow no matter which way you do it if you put too much of one. <laughs> Excellent I'm point. Able, I'm able to manage it better by putting right. in. Right. I, I forgot who I was talking to, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> Yeah. And Adam, what, what's your milk to cereal ratio? Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like, I like, um, yeah, I mean, I like a lot of milk. I like a lot of milk. Mm. You like soggy cereal? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. Thank you. <laughs> Two parts milk, one part cereal. Yeah, yeah, I got it. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we all align. I, again, this kind of came up. Um, I, I think I probably you know saw it or heard it somewhere. But there are, as you mentioned, Rosario. Some people go milk first and, and then cereal. But I'm definitely cereal first and and then milk to kind of gauge it. I'm kind of aligned with uh, Adam on this one. I, I I like a lot of milk, and I'm like. I will let my cereal like sit there for like 30 seconds, get it all soggy before I start like going to town on it. It's, it's, it's bizarre. I, I, I fully accept that today. Now, is that a texture thing with you or what is it? 
Yeah, it, it is. Uh, for some reason, like, I don't like a lot of crunch. So, like, like even cookies. Like, I, I want a soft cookie versus a crunchy cookie. So you don't like tacos, hard shell. You're a soft shell guy. I'm a soft shell yeah. guy. Yeah, a hundred percent. You re- you read me like a book. See, you know what's you know what's it's 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 funny. Um, I'm a crunchy cereal guy. I like you know like a nice crunchy bread, but I'm a soft taco guy. Mm. But I'm actually a gordita crunch guy. I like the shell wrapped with the soft and then baked. <laughs> <laughs> Both worlds. Yes. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Uh, next one. Um, I, I, I think it's a, you know, a, a, a lob, but I, I think we've all been there at one point in our lives. Um, are you Ricola or are you a Halls person? Ricola. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm uh, a lemon Ricola guy. Any any reasoning? Any Anything you want to... Pr- I, I, um, I think it's got a good, like ratio of flavor to like actual like medicine you know what i mean like (laughs) halls are too medicine-y for me oh okay all right yeah so rosario took the words out of my mouth halls is too like menthol-y it's too much too much medicine as you put it um so recoli is um you know it's more it's it's a little more candy-ish right that's that's, Well said, a little more candy-ish. Yeah, I like that. You know, I think it's funny because I'm sure you all remember, I think we're we're all the same age, like when Ricola like first burst on the scene, like their ridiculous commercial. Like Um, the guy with the little booty shorts in the mountains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just like, this is ridiculous. (laughs) Like, why why would I invest in your product? It was was crazy. I think halls back then, that definitely, you know, you know, what was the uh, the cough drop of choice? Um, but as a, as a mature adult, and I can pay my own way. Like, I I I honestly, again, probably not factual, but Ricola works and Halls doesn't work. I just feel like it actually is like medicinal and like natural and clean and effective. And so, like, I will like anytime I see Halls, I'm like, oh. This is not going to work. Why am I even right. torturing myself like this? I need Ricola. Let's go to CVS. Right. It's like the COVID vaccine. <laughs> Topic for another conversation. Yeah. No, no, that's, a, that's a different controversy. Let's have a Hey, that was actually a pretty good controversy, Barbara. Shut up, Adam. Yeah, you're going to give that Ricola company, you're going to give them a little bit of credit. I mean, after all these years since they came out, I mean, my as soon as I heard Ricola from you, like my instinct was Ricola. There it is. Like, that was yeah, commercial. absolutely. Yeah. The, the marketing but, actually worked. It's yeah. just catchy phrases. Yeah, yeah, for it's sure, sick. for sure. Um, this one I think is interesting. I don't think most people say it, but a recent commercial had me to kind of think about it, so I wrote it down. So, do you use the word vase or is it vase? Oh, it's definitely a vase. I'm definitely not a vase guy. <laughs> definitely not. I'm from, I'm from, I grew up in the north end of Boston and I, I spent my adolescent years in Saugus, Mass. I don't have a vase. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Adam? <laughs> yep. So, you know, I, 
I pride myself on, on being able to fit in anywhere and be that chameleon, right? So, like, it depends where I am. If I'm in, like, you know, a extravagant place, I like to think that I would say Vaz. <laughs> but in my everyday, in my everyday being, in my everyday being, I'm saying Vase. What do you think? I'm just going to rebut that real quick. And if I'm in an elegant place and it's because I've worked my ass off to get there, I'm calling that a fucking vase. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, same. I mean, I, I, again, I think it's hilarious when it's preferred or it's said to be a vase, but no, it, it's, it's a vase. It's a vase. You put things into it. We move on from it. We don't have to, you know, uh, make it more extravagant than what it is. Yeah. You know, so I, again, I mean, I, I'm not sure you, you know, you saw the commercial, but that, put it in the vase. Yeah. It's the you know the uh, the chewy commercial with the, you know the guy on the couch. I'm so hard, Boston A. It is. Put it in the bank. Oh, I love it. <laughs> um, hey, honey, I got you a vase with those flowers. Painted <laughs> 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 with vase. <laughs> it's classier. Classier. I only got it because it came with the vase. That's the only reason. I <laughs> Exactly. We don't have to buy a separate vase for to put the flowers in. We're getting it if that was the case. <laughs> it's a two in one. We did have a whole episode on vase. <laughs> for real. Yeah. Um, so next one, I, I think, is a geographical term, but I still use it today. You know, being in in Jersey, and a lot of people don't get it. I have to kind of bring up the history of it, but it is what it is. So, do you call it a bubbler, or is, or is it a water fountain? It's a water fountain. Oof. Rosario. A bubbler? Does it send out bubbles? <laughs> or is it a fucking fountain of water? Where I grew up. All right, relax. But, well, if you're I, calling I, it a bubbler, you're calling vase of vase. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I reject that notion. Well, why? Because you're saying it's a bubbler and you say vase. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have, to, you have to wait for my turn. We're not. We're not yeah, skimming no, poor no. little Adam over there. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> you're, you're not gonna like my answer here. Oh God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what you hate. <laughs> so they're two different. Actually, they're two different things. A water fountain is at a pop. Hold on a minute. Let me be, let me back up before I even... Wait, you can't cut me off right now. Yeah, hold on, because I don't want you to answer before I, I answer correctly. I need to get a clarification from Barbaros. <laughs> oh, no. You're, you're picking up what I'm putting down. Okay, so Barbaros, when you say, is it a water fountain or a bubbler, are you talking about the things that are in your house you can get water from that have a five-gallon jug on it? Or the things that are on the walls when you're in school or in a public building that have the water coming out. On the wall in school. On the wall in school, that is a water fountain. <sighs> a bubbler would be in my house. Ooh. Ooh. The bubbler is the, the Poland Spring huge. Right, that makes the bubble. It goes bloop, bloop when you get the water. That's a bubbler. That's a bubbler. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's two different things. There's, yeah, that's a water fountain. I call it a water fountain. Yeah. 
what you're what you're asking specifically. Right. Yeah. A bubbler is the, the Palm Springs in the house. Right, right. Mm. Yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe do it different in Jersey. I don't know. That I I, I grew up in Methuen. I I don't claim New Jersey as my. Yeah, he's kind of new to he's new to Jersey. Oh, yeah. oh, so you're 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 from Methuen. Yeah, yeah. I, I grew I grew up in Methuen. Oh, in Methuen, it should be the same way, dude. It's not. Trust me, it's not. <laughs> no. For the longest time in school, anytime it was referred to, it was a bubbler, and similar to what you said, either it's the water pressure in the public schools in Methuen. That that shit like bubbled up, like it it didn't shoot out. <laughs> there was no fountain. Oh, yeah. Well, you're in Methuen too. They they cut the copper out for the water lines over there, so you probably <laughs> that's what the issue was. <laughs> so I I just I remember it over and over again. Like, hurry up on the bubbler, hurry up on yeah. the bubbler. Like like yeah, twenty people in line. Like you're making out with it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna get so low because the pressure's so bad. <laughs> so like for for me, like the thing I have at home, the Poland Spring, I still refer to it as bubbler. And, and coworkers used to laugh at me at work when I'm like, oh, like I'm getting water uh, from the bubbler. Like, what is it? Like, yeah. it's a water dispenser. I'm like, no, no, it's a bubbler. This is this. It, it's a bubbler. It, nah. Gives you water. It, it bubbles. Whatever. Yeah, and it bubbles. <laughs> Some degree. So. Yeah. Th- that that's where it comes from. I I still continue. It's a, it's a bubbler for me. Gotcha. <laughs> um. All right. Uh, next one. I I think we've had like an offshoot of this. I think this. Yeah. This is the last one for tonight. Um, really? Yeah. We've already gone through five. So this is number five. Uh, Rosario. So plain cream cheese or veggie cream cheese. Well, what kind of bagel are you giving me? What whatever bagel you prefer. Well, I, I, I like plain cream cheese and I like veggie cream cheese. Like if I'm having a, a plain, yeah. I mean, I can have plain cream cheese or veggie cream cheese with a lot of different bagels. Ooh. You know? I like scallion cream cheese. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. It depends. But what I do want to say is every bagel I get, I do butter than the cream cheese. Wow. A twofer. Yeah. It just makes it so much better. Interesting. I've never even tried that. Yeah. yeah. Butter than cream cheese. You're an interesting man, Rosario. It's funny that you said that, Rosario, because I, I actually have some shame around doing that, and you said it out loud. So. <laughs> oh, I'm comfortable with my own skin today. I'm anyone that I've done that. And, yeah. like, out of all the stuff that I share in my life, like I'm so open with shit, I, I like have shame about doing that. <laughs> really? No, today I'll... I'm no, comfortable with who I am today. I like it. I like it. You know, took a long time and a lot of pain, but I'm I'm getting better every day. That's awesome. Um, all right, Adam, you're up. Yeah, I mean, as a preference, I, I'll go plain cream cheese as a preference. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't. I'm just. I think growing up, I just got a lot of the plain, and I just got really used to it. I like it. So it's just my go-to. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I got on that yeah. one. Well, that's fine. Yeah, I, I think I, I, I'm seconding that. I, I think my entire life it was just like plain cream cheese forever. And then in like, I think at like my 20s, even like maybe even like 30s, someone's like, oh, yeah, there's uh, other kinds of cream cheese. I'm like, 
There's other kinds of cream cheese? Like, what are you fucking talking about? There's one cream they cheese. There's so many now. Yeah. Oh. Strawberry. Yeah. The strawberry isn't bad. I like that. I like uh, the strawberry. You know what's my go-to when I go to Panera? You get what? the... I know Bob Rose probably... And neither one of you will probably like this because you guys like your soggy cereal. <laughs> but it's a cinnamon crunch bagel Ooh. toasted with honey walnut cream cheese. Wow. Uh, honey walnut. Oh, yeah. That's like... My brain just like exploded. That's when you know you're classing it up. Oh, yeah, for sure. When I go there and I order that, they're like, wow, this guy definitely says va. <laughs> <laughs> this, this guy is loaded. <laughs> Little do you know, sweetheart. <laughs> no, uh, so... Rosario, thank you very much for entertaining us. Uh, th- you know, playing with the you know the game, you know five controversies. You know, we do this because you know the stories you know that we share and the things that we talk about are so heavy and you know so intense. And even kind of what you shared, e- even though you know there's a lot of hope uh, in in your story and you know resilience, we like to kind of you know put this out there because you know you kind of you know said it along the way is that it, it's not just all intense. You know, you got to take it easy on yourself, and we we, we want to kind of bring that into you know, uh, this podcast Absolutely. and these episodes. So thank you very much for playing along. Uh, you know, greatly appreciate it. Um, yeah. So yeah, you know, the uh, podcast, you know, will be, you know, published, you know, really, really soon. And for the audience and also you, you know, you Rosario, you know, if you want to listen to it, uh, you can find it on any kind of podcast, uh, platform. Uh, if you listen to Spotify, uh, you know, please, you know, comment, uh, directly on the episode, uh, email us at the addict and the counselor at Gmail. Uh, let us know if there's any subject matter that we haven't covered yet and any th- topics that you know we should cover. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely lean in heavily on that and you know, uh, greatly appreciate you uh, giving up your Tuesday night for us. Yeah, no problem. I appreciate you guys having me. It's been great. Yeah, it's been great. All right, guys. All right. That's a wrap. That's, that's right. the episode. All right. It was all. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Right. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. Adam, we'll talk, buddy. Yep. Sounds all good. Right. Take care, right. guys. But, but.